All right, Chris, thanks for being here. Appreciate your time, bro. Hell yeah, thanks for having me. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? All right, well, I'm Chris Lundgren. I am the uh, National Sales Director for Dosatron and Dilution Solutions. It's just a fancy tile. All that means is that I, I do a little bit of everything. You know, everything from sales to development to, um, you know, working on the cultivation side, making sure cultivators know how to use our products. So education is obviously incredibly important to us, just like it is to you. So we spend a lot of time trying to make sure cultivators know what we're doing, you know. Have you ever been on a podcast? It's just your first nah, one. No, this is my first one, man. First one? Right yeah. on, man. Yeah, pretty exciting, actually. Yeah, this would be awesome. Then. Yeah. When we're on the phone, it, it comes across so natural. We're just talking. And sometimes I'm listening to hearing you talk. I'm like, man, this stuff is gold. Some yeah. of the stuff that that uh, that we get into. So hopefully this is an opportunity to to do that. Yeah, I appreciate that. What's your background in cannabis and horticulture in general? Yeah, so for me, horticulture started as um, as a career simply out of my love for cannabis. So, you know, for me, I, I started growing. I moved out of my mom's house at 19. I was turning packs for some cats up in the hills, uh, working at a restaurant and, you know, turning those packs fast enough where they're like, you know, if you move out of your mom's house, we'll set you up with a house. And I remember my first, you know, it was it was three 1,000 bat wings, as we call them, right? The old... Adjust-a-wings. Uh, Adjust-a-wings, yeah. And uh, I got 3,000s and a one 400 metal halide. And this was in 99. And uh, moved, literally got the house, you know, started paying rent, and then had to go home and tell my mom I'm moving out. You know, so for me, it was about starting simply out of, out of need, necessity, truly. Um, and that's because I wanted to be a rock star, dude. I had every intent of, of being a professional musician. And, you know, I played heavy metal music back then. It was very much like Pantera, you know, thick, heavy screaming. And that's not music you make money on. And that music just costs you money. So, you know, real quickly, I realized that turning packs was great. I mean, I, I bought us an RV. I bought everybody equipment. Um, you know, started buying, you know, essentially being able to make it so that let's, let's just call it my band members were all, we're early twenties, man. We just, we were all partying, you know, and they didn't, they were all working at restaurants or working construction. And so for me, I, I knew I had to have income in order to make our dream happen. And so that's where cannabis came from in my life, man. It was, of course I loved it. I, I mean, you know, I started at a, at a fairly young age, um, having more than just a, an appreciation for it, right? Because of, of how it helped me balance, you know, find balance. And so, you know, fast forward into to this opportunity and these cats, they just straight up gave me, and, and the Colorado kids, I don't know what I'm talking about, it was Skunk Six. And so we brought this strain, they brought this strain from the hills, uh, set me up at the house, and I'm telling you, it was crazy because I lived across the street from a cop and next to a cop. And I didn't know when I got this house, right? I just got it for the basement. And I didn't know anything about smell control. I knew nothing about nothing. Well, you in know? 1999, there's a lot of people that didn't know a lot oh, of things. Dude, I didn't know about air circulation. I didn't know how hot I was going to get down there. I knew nothing. All I thought was slap these lights up, put some plants under, ebb and flood tables on some hydroton, and just, you know, turn it on. And sure, veg, it crushed. Like I was so stoked in veg. And then I got my week one flower. And I don't know if you guys remember the skunk trains, but dude, like from down the street, I'd go walk my dog and I'd come up walking up the street and I'd be like, what is that? That's my house, Ugh. you know? And so, 
Yeah, those are the days that it that um, you know, listen to some of your other guys and go through their history. It, those are the days, man. Yeah. Like, I I wish I could bottle that shit up, be and just every once in a while take a swig because those were the days. There was so much adrenaline. You know, a helicopter would fly over your house, and you'd, you'd go turn off all the lights, thinking that was going to matter. Your heat profile was already there; like that would matter anyway. You know, but uh, yeah, man. So that's how I got in. I mean, I really—it was a necessity for me. I felt like it was the only way I could I could fulfill my dream. You know, and so um, got into that, started growing Skunk Six, and I mean, I fell in love, dude. I didn't—I knew nothing about plants, about growing plants. I never had grown a plant or done anything in my life like that. I lived in apartments all my life, you know, with my mom's. So yeah, that was a moment that uh, it changed my my whole. It was almost like I thought music was everything to me, and then I found plants, and then it was actually music became secondary. This was my number one passion growing. And then I became the kid that was, these, all these guys would be like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I actually read George Savant's book. Like, unlike you fools, you just, you're just taking the advice from the guy that taught you how to grow. Yeah. I'm out here trying to learn. And then, um, honestly, where it all also shifted for me and why you know me today is because um, I met my wife. And she, she was, uh, her dad, at the time, I had no idea. I met her through homies. And, um, you know, we became, we became friends first and she was dating a, a, you know, a friend of mine and I was dating a friend of hers and, and long story short, we started dating. And, and what happened was she wanted me to go meet her dad. And my, my wife has an incredibly large family, right? I'm not even going to say it on, on, on the podcast because she'll kick me, but she's got a huge family, right? Big Dutch family. And she's like, my dad has a greenhouse. And I'm not kidding, Brandon. I thought of the little hoop houses in front of King Supers, like in front of Safeway. You know, I just, that's what I thought of. I was like, a, a greenhouse? And this dude makes coin? Like, how does, he, how does he have a greenhouse and make coin, right? How does he sustain this huge family? So anyway, we go to meet him. And we, we pull over this hill out in the hills of Colorado. And I thought it was a lake. I was like, yo, there's a lake out here? And my wife's like, a lake? What are you talking about? that's my dad's greenhouse. And it was just the reflection of the sun off the glass. It looked like a lake because you came over this hill and it was kind of like in a valley, right? Beautiful location, man. I still love where that greenhouse is. It was one of the best parts of, of working there was driving there every morning. But anyway, so I, I met my father-in-law, walked in and, and my father-in-law is actually um, a company called Cherry Creek Systems is, is an automated irrigation company. And so he had invented like multiple of the the various uh, technologies that are being used in this greenhouse and so i'm i'm at home in this little four by eight flood tables right and the, the floors are flooding bro the entire floors are flooding he's got rock wool tomato starts um half a million of them on one side of the greenhouse and on the other side he's got bedding plants so like the stuff you buy at home depot lowe's all that stuff right and I walk in and these hanging basket machines that he invented and these boom irrigation that he invented and i'm just walking around going what is this? This is what I want to do with my life. And my wife's like, you better not, dude. Because she grew up in the farm life. I mean, at eight years old, she's out at the greenhouse staking tomatoes. You know, so she grew up like, this is hard work. You don't want this. And sure enough, I started working for her dad shortly thereafter. How old were you? And I was 21. Oh, so you, it yeah. was like, you had a two-year growing in a basement. Yeah, yeah. And then you go yep. into yep. this mecca mecca and you're just blown yeah at it was, 21 i would have been tripping oh i was tripping 
It was six acres under glass, completely automated. Um, and so, yeah, I was tripping. And it, and it gave me, it, it, it was weird because I, I'd go home every night and I'd have this, this deeper passion every day I got home because I'd learned something at the greenhouse. And I'm telling you, I got, I feel so, so blessed looking back because my father-in-law gave me opportunities to be with people that are legends in the growing world, not our growing world, right? But the traditional horticulture growing world. And, and it's funny because I remember asking questions about PPM and they were like, why do you care about PPM? Right? Because that's how we talked in the basement, mm -hmm. right? But yep. then these fools all talked about EC. EC. Right. So, so everything was, you know, it, it was, they could see, you know, back then, I don't think they figured it out, but if you, in hindsight, I was obvious, dude, I was going home being like taking, you know, uh, all the natural stuff, like the, the, the old, um, oxidizing products and taking all that stuff home, trying to use it in my grow to sterilize my tools. That's where I came such a fanatic for sterilization, right? Because we also did tomato grafting. So tomato grafting gave me a whole new realm of what it could be to do cuts, right? And so we would have to take the cutting from one particular plant that had already rooted and then another plant that had rooted and essentially the, the root stock from one plant was super vigorous and, and we wanted the fruit from the other one. So we took the fruit from the top of this one and put it on the root stock of that one. And, and graft it together. And graft by, it together. By tying it together. Kind of like- There a, were these little rubber clips- Okay. Right, and you put these little rubber clips around around the um, stem, right? What does that do? That that takes stock. the fruit from the other plant and puts it into the root zone of the other. Is it? Is yeah. So tomatoes specifically at this time. So so you know what it's like. Um, you know, in in this world of of genetic hunting and breeding, what we've been through and how often we find some some favorable qualities, some unfavorable qualities, right? And what tomatoes were doing at the time, cucumbers, a lot of other, um, uh, you know, food crops were doing this at the time. They were taking the best of, of each. So they realized that real quickly, the, the automated irrigation could drive a tomato to be delicious tomato, but it would underproduce because pythium was rampant. It was everywhere. Right. And that was just watering strategies, which I think we've perfected, you know, miles over some of those guys at this point. Back then, back then on, irrig on irrigation strategies, what were they already doing what we're talking about now? But back when you were 21, were they already on everything that we're doing now in cannabis with irrigation strategy? In a, in a different way. Yes. Yes. Yeah. They were pushing the envelope back then with drybacks which we didn't call them drybacks back then what were they called but that was just your curve just, it was that, just your oh, curve. curve so you were trying to maintain your curve within a particular height and low right um and then we would have extremes right so you try to dry so specifically to increase sugar production you try to do some some drybacks and you need higher calcium levels and more air movement in order to do that you have too high of air movement not enough calcium you actually get browning and curling of the leaves, right? So, so anyway, with all that, that's why we did this grafting is because these, this, this root structure would be weak. And so we take a healthy root structure and we put it with the, with the fruit that we really wanted. And there was one root stock back then. It was called a Maxifort. And every single plant that was grafted 
had a maxifort because a maxifort had huge, vibrant roots. I'm talking three, four days. It would be popping out of the bottom of a of a four by four after transplanting. Why is it called a maxifort? That was just the name of the the variety. Oh, the variety of that would have tomato. this 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 rootstock. It had an ugly fruit, big, huge fruit that would split because it'd grow these gigantic fruits, right? But they would split every time. So people realized, well, this maxifort root base was just phenomenal. It transferring the nutrients up the stock to the plant just did an amazing job so anyway that maxifort became the the staple and then we'd put all these different you know essentially varieties genetic genetics on top of them so that's really where i got into that's why i'm so particular about propagation why i feel everything starts with propagation and and i will say when i've you know walked many a facility 90 percent of problems I can literally walk into the propagation or mother room and go, it starts right here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. So anyway, that's where that passion kind of came from. With the, with the grafting, um, what's the life cycle of the tomato plant? You couldn't do that with cannabis. I mean, since the life cycle is so short, right? It's one of those many questions I've asked myself. The reason I think it could potentially be um, impossible. So, so to answer your first question, let me go back. You actually asked the life cycle yeah, of tomato what's plant. Life cycle? About nine, nine months can be as much as 12. Um, I, I don't know if you've ever seen pictures or been to a tomato greenhouse. You'll see the vines kind of wrap around the bottom of the gutter and they come back and come back and come back. It's because they, they essentially harvest the fruit or the cluster or whatever particular, uh, you know, whether it's beefsteak, it's cluster, it's, it's uh, Roma. They pull them all down and then they bring that plant back up, down, and then they let the vine crawl, kind of go around that, that gutter, right? Or up and back and forth. Mm-hmm. And the reason they do that is they're trying to continue to take, take apical growth, right? So they're trying to keep the apex strong and just keep it going up and up and up and fruiting and flowering. And you get to a certain point where it just, it's kind of diminishing returns. It's about nine months. Yeah. So it ends up about nine months. And how, how does the fruiting work? Is it like with cannabis light cycles no. or you just do natural light cycles? Uh, natural light cycles. Um, you, can, you can do some night, uh, light manipulation to keep it vegetative. Um, but after the, once it starts flowering, it's, it's on its way. Okay. And it, typically it's all about pollination at that point. So that's why you'll see specifically cucumbers and, and, um, tomatoes, which, which most of my experience is in, uh, you'll, you'll notice bees everywhere in yeah. those greenhouses. And it's because cross-pollination is incredibly important. There's no male, female, um, separate plants, right? Uh, it's all about cross-pollination. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So being 21, walking into that greenhouse, you started Dude. working there right away? I, d- I did, very shortly after. I was, I was an assistant kitchen manager at Buca de Beppo. Um, like I said, aspiring rock star. It's funny, I laugh about it now. But, um, and, you know, trying to do my thing, you know, trying to, trying to make my way. And, um, man, I, I had no idea that this was my, my new gig, right, uh, at the time. Uh, I just was hard work and I was trying to learn as much because I was really trying to take it home and apply it. So for me, it was all about the application. It yeah, you wasn't got fast tracked. Oh, through all 100% Brandon. Yeah. 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 For me, it was, there was a time where, um, I, like I said, I was with some of the minds that like, you know, you know how I'm passionate about water treatment. You know how I'm passionate about, uh, just water in general. All that came from these mines that I was exposed to. You know, there's this, there's this trade show that you, you uh, know as Cultivate now, 
mm-hmm. right? Uh, which used to be called the OFA short co- course, the Ohio Floriculture Association short course. And I took these classes that's, that fast-tracked me. I took them three years in a row. And you would go for like four days and like 12 hours a day, you would just learn, right? And it was MSU, OSU, um, all these huge universities at the time, Florida State, Florida University, or University of Florida, I'm sorry. And all these big horticulture programs, and they came in and brought their top dudes and to teach because their whole thing was trying to get a next generation on, which is still the biggest concern in agriculture, by the way, is that we continually need to get younger and younger bodies in here because it continues to age and we don't see a lot of new young people in. But back then they were really a push for it. And I was just fortunate to be in these, these positions, to, to go to these classes and to learn what I got to learn from some of the greats, man. I think cannabis so. probably has a massive influence on getting younger generation into horticulture in general. That is, you know, one of the hardest parts of, of being on the upside of 2020 was knowing that there was going to be a downside. All of us, right? We all knew like an upswing comes, there's, there's a bubble has to burst at some point, right? Yeah. But the greatest part about this is the young generations are going to want to keep growing something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my greatest prediction or hope is that if there is a downturn in our industry and there are people that have to shut their doors, which... You know, I'm sad about because um, I believe in the mom and pop and I believe in things coming up from the, from, you know, grassroots, but because we know that's going to happen, what that tells me is that there's going to be a lot of places to grow some great food. And one of the greatest struggles we're going to have in the West is water. And what are we really good at with cannabis? using just a little bit of water to do a lot of great things. So, you know, I think that that technology that exists there is going to circle back yeah, and start growing food. And so our, I think our next generation is going to be our cannabis guys. I think that some of our greatest food producers will have said, yeah, I, I cut my teeth with cannabis. Yeah. And I'm excited about that. It, that's really cool. Yeah. Was it, was it cultivating plants that drove you or was it the cannabis plant that drove you? Because I, I meet a lot of different people and it's different for each individual. Mm-hmm. That's a great question. I think for me, it's actually a mixture of both, but I think it's just plants. And why? Because, um, you know, I, I travel a lot now, so I don't, I don't get to have a home garden anymore. Um, but I still have like 120 indoor plants. Like I can't not grow something because there's just something to be said about specifically cannabis because it grows so fast. Mm-hmm. Um, from that time that you took a cutting you know, um, or a clone and you, you see that come to something, come to fruition. There's just this feeling of accomplishment that there's just about nothing else on earth that gives you that outside of being a father, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think I just love growing plants, but my passion for cannabis, um, it it drives my desire to want to see something grow. And then because obviously on the backside, there's a, there's a hidden element there that, you know, obviously consumption is important to me and, uh, I'm picky, you know, that we've talked about that many a time, right? Like I don't, you know, um, I appreciate all the samples I get along my travels, but not always is it something that, that it's exactly going to hit where I want it to hit. Right. And I don't smoke all day, every day, but when I do, I want to, I want to enjoy it. You know, it's like, it's like someone that drinks a good wine. And so, uh, yeah, I think I'm passionate for cannabis, but man, I just love growing plants. Yeah, I can relate to that. I'm really passionate about 
cultivation in general, mm-hmm. especially greenhouse cultivation is where, mm-hmm. where my, li- my oh, heart lies for yeah. sure. Yeah. And that's when we met, that's kind of what, what sparked us off. Yeah. So you're like, oh, you know about greenhouse. I'm open to greenhouse. What yeah. You know? I, like, I, I talk to you and I bug you nonstop probably about greenhouse questions. It was great though, man. Yeah. I mean, that was to me the turning point, you know? <sighs> There's just something about a greenhouse that I love. I love that it's designed to cultivate plants. I love working inside the greenhouse. I love designing it. I love building it. It's just a special place to work. Yeah. And especially light assisted greenhouse with HPS. Mm. That's where I've really seen some of the best flower I've seen come out as, is, is HPS, uh, greenhouse climate, fully climate controlled, wet wall, mm-hmm. five by, mm-hmm. you know, five, five foot tall, six inch thick wet wall, you know, with, with HPS flower. And it's just insane. There's something to be said about the, the profiles that come off of the UV light from the sun. Yeah, just we, we. I mean, you've been in lighting, you know how hard that is to replicate, without making it almost toxic. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it, to me, you know, the greenhouse, um, you know, as we call it, light depth concept with with the actual lights in the greenhouses. You're you're 100 right. Yeah, I, it's it's a special it's a special. When you started back when you were 21 in that in that large six acre greenhouse. Mm-hmm. What did you start doing? Like, what was your job? I started picking up flats and putting my my father in law was a no nonsense. You prove yourself. Start from the bottom. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I picked up flats and put them on, and that's where I learned a little bit of my you know the the terrible Spanish that I do know. Was just standing next to the ladies working, and they just loved it. I'm sitting there cruising along, and you know back then you had headphones, you didn't have earbuds, right? My headphones on and crank away and just pick up flats and. And then uh, my brother-in-law actually came to me and was like, hey, man, because I kept asking about watering. And I was like, hey, can I, next time, can I watch you program the boom? These booms are these, you know, irrigation, like robots is one way of looking at it, right? And I'm, I'm like, let me watch you, let me watch you program that. So to see, um, you know, for him to see that in me, he was like, why don't you, why don't you come put a hose in your hand? And so did that. And then... Um, Again, man, I just feel sometimes I look back, I, I pinch myself because, you know, from there, my father-in-law continued to just drive me. He would, you know, you're going to go into production. You're going to go into growing. You're going to go into IPM. You're going to go into this. Oh, and by the way, I'm selling this greenhouse. You want to come work at the automation company? And so that was also another turning point for me. So I spent about five years in the greenhouse. And at this point, I'm... I'm still just, growing on the side. S- still growing? Oh, yeah. Of course. Oh, absolutely. Always. Yeah. yeah, at this point, I think I had like... Uh, I had about four houses between all the homies. There you go. Yeah. And, um, and you know, he, he kept just kind of driving me, trying to push me forward. And, um, yeah, he comes to me and says, I'm selling this greenhouse. And I just, just become head grower. And so, like, I had hit my, what I thought was going to be my pinnacle. This is what I was going to do. I was going to be a grower. And whether it was for my father-in-law or anyone else, I was going to be a head grower. That was it. And And head grower to me was, like, that's it. That was, that was, that was, that was it. That was that moment. Right. And he comes to me, he goes, I'm going to sell this greenhouse. I'm like, no, what? You're going to sell it. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to sell it. Do you want to come work for my, for my uh, other business? And I said, nah, who are you selling to? He told me. And I was like, I'll just stay on. He's like, okay. All right. 
well, you stay on. That's fine. He, he was good with it. That was a trip, man. Going to another company, working for my father-in-law and kind of being, let's be honest, I had a little bit of privilege, like, you know, nepotism, if you will. Yeah. Like I was dating his daughter. I hadn't quite married her yet. Um, but I got some nepotism out of it. And, um, and then this other company came in and they gave me so much respect, Brandon. Like I still have mad love for those people because they gave me so much respect right off the bat. And so they let me stay, keep my position and, and run the greenhouse for a few years. And then, um, and then there was just a day I had been back to the greenhouse. We used to get these calls at like three o'clock in the morning from the boiler, stupid boiler in the middle of the you know winter. It's four degrees outside. I got to keep the plants warm and the whole place is just hot water heat. So, um, you know, boilers call me at three o'clock in the morning and I'm telling you for like every day for like three weeks. And my wife's like, this is ridiculous. You got to fix that stupid boiler. I'm like, I'm trying, but I don't know how to fix a boiler. Like I, from the core out, it was, it was a problem. So I, look, I looked at her, I was like, all right. And, and I went out to dinner with her dad that like within that time period and he offered it again. And I, and I said, no, nah, I don't think I want that job. And my brother-in-law decided to buy that greenhouse from those people. So I was going to be his head grower. Well, that didn't work out. That, that was quick, man. That was like 60 days. My brother-in-law and I love each other, but didn't work well together. So then, so he uh, did buy it. Yeah, he did yeah. buy it. Yeah, he took it over. Um, and and sure enough, yeah, man, that was it. That's when I finally went back to my father, and I was like, all right, let's do this. And so I went to Cherry Creek Systems, and that's where I will say that's where I cut my teeth. Yeah, I mean, I I learned a lot of what, when I can walk cultivation. It's the it's a combination of being working at home and working at the greenhouse all day. So my cultivation knowledge is is all stems from those years right but my love for irrigation fertigation that's it stemmed from cherry creek systems and so i came in in sales um he literally fired like six people the week before i got there company was in tatters he he had just kind of gone away and was running tomatoes and running all these this dude had like six businesses throughout the u.s and just kind of running them and going all over the place and uh, multiple businesses with his brothers and all this stuff going on well i uh i took that pretty quickly into um man this is what i want to do i mean i i just i'm telling you i fell for plants when i fell when i found automation i was a new passion man so went through that and that was that was another really um huge precipice in my life turning point what did cherry cherry cook right cherry creek cherry systems. creek what did it what yeah. did it do um, irrigation automation. Okay. So it did um, these traveling boom systems. Have you ever seen in a greenhouse? These these they ride on rails and they ride yeah. through the greenhouse and spray over the top of the crop. So um, he took that that had kind of already been in play, but he took that and took it to the next level, and then invented this thing called the Echo, which is like a ski lift for plants. So it carries the plants on a on the truss um, around essentially a big giant cable car system, and so that's what we sold. And bro, I just, because I loved it so much, just crushed. Came into a company that was like $4 million in debt, doing like $1.5 million a year. Um, because my brother-in-law, one of my other brothers-in-law had, um, had left the company like three, four years before that and started his own company out in Maryland. This is the guy that owns SunMed Growers out in Maryland right now. And, um, and when he left, um, the company just kind of, I mean, I love you guys, but it went to shit. 
And so I was able to, to just timing. I came in, that industry is coming back from, from a little bit of a recession and just crushed it, dude. Did you, $4 million my first year. Do you think that you were so successful in that position because you understood the problems that the growers were having? Absolutely. I was the guy that, that all these R&D, when they bring a new controller into these systems, I was the guy that tested them all out. So I was doing all the work in the greenhouse. So I could get on the phone and talk to a grower at the time and be like, oh, I bet this is what you deal with with your irrigation, with your irrigation within your, your, your baskets or, or with your flats or versus pots. Or, and so because I spoke like a grower, that's it's exactly that it. was it. It's so that important. Was it. That was it. I think that a lot of the reasons why Lux and some of the companies that we work on are so successful is because of the exact same reason. Mm -hmm. We understand our problems as cultivators and we know how to fix the problems or we figure yeah, out dude. ways. We don't know, <clears throat> always know how, but we figure out ways to fix problems sure. for cultivators and then we share that fix. Yeah. And you're doing the exact same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it was a, again, it was a, a great opportunity. So, and then from there, uh, spent, you know, almost eight years with him doing Cherry Creek and then, you know, really, um, family business is tough. So, um, actually, you know, the, the family at Dosatron, uh, we were sitting down. So Leela and Pam, so Leela is Pam's mom and you know, Pam, and we're sitting down and, uh, just having a, a drink, eating some food. And I was just kind of like, oh, you guys are in a family business. Can I just like vent a little bit, ask you questions? And sure enough, then that night they told me, hey, if you ever just need like a home, just know we got your back. You know, I didn't know my worth at that time. I didn't know. I just knew what I loved to do. So anyway, the, that fast forward to that, I decided to leave family company, took the opportunity with, with Dosatron. And uh, yeah, man, that was eight years ago. And um here I am today. Is so. was Leela running the company at that time? Yeah. So Leela, the whole reason they brought me on is they they wanted me to kind of be Leela's successor. And Pam was, I would give her like a, they're not big on titles at Dosa Trump, but she was like the general manager at the time. Um and and came onto the company and then um man, I feel like it was like a blink of an eye. Um I came on, I knew the product very, very well because I sold Dosatrons on the Cherry Creek booms. So I had a lot of experience with Dosatron. I used them as a grower, right? Never used them in my basement. Didn't 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 really cross relate that at that time. I won't lie. I, I, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't have Dosatrons in my basement. In hindsight, I, man, I could have crushed had I. But took that took that time and that experience with um, moving over to Dosatron and having time with Leela on the road for that first year. And watching her, man, she was the relationship queen. Everybody knew her. Everybody knew how, what she, you know, she would walk into a place and people would come with open arms. And so to learn that, so I knew the cultivation, I knew all the stuff, but I didn't understand that, that inner relationships. So to watch that and to see that was a huge, huge influence on me too. And then real quick, she, she was happy with what I was doing and she started to step down and, and Pam stepped up and. Yeah, man, that's that's really how Pam and I started, you know, building the ship together. So Leela was the CEO. Leela is the president. The president now. Yeah, and yeah, Pam is the still owner. the general manager. Or she... No, she's the CEO now. Okay, it's yep. it's pretty rad that it's a woman-owned and ran company. It is. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a Leela and her husband that that own it, um, and and their story is pretty cool. We could do a whole another podcast on their story. Yeah. It's dope. 
Um, but essentially, you know, Dosatron started as a livestock medicator. And so, you know, Dosatron, she, I give, everybody gives Leela the credit for why Dosatron is in horticulture. Um, and she, so 35 years ago, she used to drive around with the, you know, the thing in her, in her trunk and go and, and go to greenhouses along with her husband, Eddie, and they drive to greenhouses and, you know, show people how this thing worked. That's rad. Water powered, really cool. dude. It was mind blowing. People were like, water powered? Yeah. So, so that's kind of how that started. And, and, um, yeah, I was brought on to essentially take over Leela's shoes and, and then that's when I'm living in Colorado. They don't know anything. I told them nothing about my cannabis, right? Because all of my life, I lived two separate lives. I was cannabis oh, and rock star. Oh, they didn't know that you were going cannabis on oh, the side. They had no idea. Well, yeah, you, no I, idea. I, I got to remember it's before. There was like a point about 2014, I think it become anytime before 2014, you didn't talk about hell no what you did in Listen, the basement. Dude, my band period. members didn't know. My, yeah. The only oh, people yeah. that knew, my my brother didn't know, my best friends didn't know, nobody knew. They just thought I turned really super fireweed. Yeah, they didn't realize I grew it. It seems like there was a transition around 2013, 14, 15, where it was more you could talk about in conversation. <laughs> but prior to that... No, 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 no. Man, I could have lost my entire job, my career. My father-in-law was not cool with it. None of my in-laws were cool with it. No, nah, man, it was, I was in a very, and, and traditional horticulture is incredibly conservative. Yeah. It's farmers. They live the farm life, man. Simple life. They're not, they're not looking to, to be, you know, on this side of the world. So it, it was a no, I didn't talk about it. Nobody knew I started. They had no idea. I'm living in Colorado and Pam's like talking about cannabis and I'm like, oh, I might know a little bit of something or something. Yeah. You didn't tell girlfriends. You didn't tell your no, band dude. members. You didn't. No. Yeah. I, no, we jammed in my basement next to my grow room and they were just like dude you gotta i'd light you know incense and then smoke a bowl right when before they got there so that it smelled like weed you know burned weed they'd yeah. be like dude it always smells like fire in here i was like i know i got a couple packs and you know under the couch or whatever i just yeah the story was there and they told me years later they're like ah oh, we thought you were up to something because there's always fans like we could hear fans you know yeah but um but yeah nobody knew when when was it that dosatron put the D14, MZ2, and the D3000 together to really dose in line with fertilizer in the cannabis game. Like when, what, what year was that? Well, I actually have to predate myself and it actually started with that little D25. You remember the little square top, the little, yeah. the little unit? Uh -huh. It looks little in, in comparison to the D14. That unit actually, I got to give credit where credit's due. That was Easy Feed Systems. That was a cat, Gabe out of uh, San Francisco, out of the Bay Area, that started that whole thing in 2012. Now, was he a customer or was he He a... was a customer. Wow. He was, he was a customer. He figured it out. He like bought the... D he figured out which ones to use at which ratios at what. Like the dude was a G. Uh, he brought that concept to Pam. And Pam's like, yeah, run with it. Yeah, you, you're well, going to... give it a go. Yeah, yeah, she did marketing. She was... I mean, you know, Pam, she's, she's like... She's... She'll work, right? And so she put in the work with, with Gabe, went out to, to the Bay, like back in the day where they would practically blindfold you and take you places. Mm -hmm. And she went and saw Grows and did the thing with Gabe. And so actually I got to give the dude credit. That's where it started. Um, Where's, he, what, what, does he have Instagram now or is he? Uh, no, dude, he's, he was a man of the hills. Yeah. And just, he started this business, did this thing. It was called Oakland Farm and Feed. 
Autumn Carsey and I have talked many a days about this Oakland farm feed because that's where she got her first dose of charm. It's a hydro store or just it, like it a was like garden a, store? It was like a hydro store. No, it yeah. was a hydro store, but okay. it, he was trying to be like a nursery store. Like he was trying to be more traditional horticulture and not like your bro dude man place, right? Yeah. So he was really trying Kind of like a Grand Jettos. Exactly. A mix. Yeah. Right? But definitely not quite embedded like that. Um, but yeah, so he did that for a while and then just ran into some trouble, got, you know, had to, had to kind of do his shit, do his time. And when that happened, I happened to start with a company. He was kind of on this, like what's called broken wing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I looked at Pam and I was like, Hey, let me go to these, um, Max Yield shows. And I had been reading Max Yield. Did for she years. still know at this point that you were growing weed? Or you have, well, so, were growing so, weed? So she's like, well, weed. these people are very particular and they kind of need someone that's like one of them. And I was like, all right, well, here's what's up. You dropped it. I did. And a little bit, not even like still to this day, I don't exactly talk about it at grandiose scale yeah. because I still have it in me that I'm not supposed to. Like I still have it in me just hearing some of the stories that come off of this show and other like shows, I hear people in their stories and I'm like, man, you're ballsy to tell that. And I know we're in 2022. I know you can tell it, but I still have it in me where I'm like, like, I mean, I remember at Yax, Max Yield, we were at, we had a booth and people would come up and they'd be talking and I, I'd still be like doing the behind my shoulder yeah. look because I just didn't, it didn't feel natural. Now, I mean, fast forward now, obviously I talk about it. I'm, I'm here talking about it, right? Yeah. But this is the most I've ever really like publicly talked about this because it was, I, it was embedded in me that you just kept your freaking mouth shut. That's the only way you didn't go to prison. Yeah. What, what year was that when, when Gabe kind of introduced that to Dosha Tron? That was 2012. Wow. Yeah. That was 2012. And then I started in uh, 2013. Okay. So so i was like our relationship was real fresh in the game like we oh, yeah. met in 13 14 right? 14 yeah. yeah 14 yeah yeah so whoa yeah so, yeah i mean I, I i seemed like i know what i was doing but i was still figuring it out bro that's crazy so when did ivan <clears throat> get the dosatron in his how did that work out how did you meet ivan so that was um so so as I'm, you know, Pam goes, get it, dude, go get it. Like prove this. Cause at the time we were, you know, easy feed was doing like hundred K and she was like, it's obvious going to be do something like, go do this. So I'm in Colorado and I'm like, all right, well, I'll go, I'll go dig in. I don't even know where to start. Cause all I knew was forums and fucking, um, cannabis culture magazine, you know, like in high times, like I didn't know where, where do I start? So, um, I started with some people that had called in you know, and ask questions about growing tomatoes. Right. And so I, I did that. And then that's where I realized that forums, cause I'm like, I'm going back to the forums and be like, how can I use this professionally? And how do I come off like who I was in the forums and like become somebody else and have any street cred. And so that's where Instagram came in and Instagram. I was like anti-social media. I had no Facebook. I had no, like, I was one of those people, like, because I lived in the traditional market so long, I didn't want anybody to know who I was. And so, um, so that's where Instagram came in. So I got an Instagram account. I decided to call it Chris.Dosatron. I was like, well, I'll put my name at least and I'll put it, what, what I do. Um, instead of something like, you know, rebel grower or whatever, you know, I just thought, keep it simple. 
I, uh, at the time I hashtag Dosatron. There were five images. Two of them were Dosatron. Three of them were an actual, uh, espresso machine that's called a Dosatron. And so there was two images and one of them was Ivan's and I liked it. And I said, sick installation. Let me know if you need it. Never need assistance. 15 minutes, dude, the little bubbles pop up Well, this is before the bubbles, right? But it pops up. Hey man, if you're ever in the area, I'd love for you to come by. I have some questions. Here's my number. So I call him up. Um, you know, he just says, I'm Ivan. You know, I don't know what a jungle boy is. I have no idea. I don't know he's influential. I don't know that Ivan is um, Jack, you know, from, from the TAC forums. Like, I didn't know who he was. And so, yeah, I flew out there, sat down with him, walked the grow, went and played with the system a little bit, taught his grows how to use it. Because um, that, that was kind of his thing. He's like, I know how to use it, but the guy that really knew how to use it left. So will you kind of come show me what's up? Oh, yeah. Showed him what's up. Again, I still didn't know what it was. And then he posts something about Dosatron. And all of a sudden, I got like 500 followers overnight. Boom. And I was like, whoa, whoa. And then I go on his account. And I'm like, oh. I mean, it just it started clicking, right? And, and it's funny because I look back and I, I feel like it's such a kid going into it. But I, I did. I had no idea. And then from there, our relationship blossomed to where he realized that by being the dude, and, and this is what's the greatest thing about Ivan, is he realized by being the guy that's willing to share information, it gives him validity and it gives him weight and it gives him context in the conversation. And so many people back then were like, oh, I'm doing something special. I can't tell you. Yeah. Ivan yeah. I was like, blew the doors off yeah, of that and Ryan's said, no, 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 no. This is what's up. Everything, this is how I'm successful. Maybe he kept some top end tier tweaks. Yeah. I don't think he did, bro. I think he told people just about everything. Yeah. And it's something that I will die appreciating about Ivan. That yep. dude gave people, uh, uh, just let people in that weren't, that had no, no business being in, in that sense. Yeah, he gave it away for free. And so, yeah, and then that, that moment, um, our relationship just kind of thrived and, and I, won't, I won't act like I was perfect on Johnny on the spot because, um, you know, I didn't understand how hard it would be to get a hold of people. And then um, it's funny how the tables turned what real quick mean, over there. Get, get, get a hold of you. What are you talking about, bro? <laughs> the tables turned real quick on that know. one. You don't ever answer your phone. Uh, hey, I do now. I'm much better <laughs> you now. You do now. But yeah. man, there yeah, was a time. Do. There was a time because, bro, I was what, at a what point. What were you where, doing? Dude, I would get, I got 130 sometimes, 130 leads at a time. And I'm one person trying to take all these phone calls. And you know how I am. I'm consultative. Yeah. I'd be on the phone for an hour, two hours with each person. Pam finally came to me and was like, dude, you've got to turn and burn some fucking phone calls. You've got to stop teaching everybody how to do something. And, and I think it built a platform that worked, but man, I was inundated. I was overwhelmed, right? But I didn't realize back then how hard it would be to, to make business happen because I was used to farmers that like, they say something and they just do it, right? I wasn't used to the world of like, you better follow through and you better do your shit and you better do it and, and you stay on me. Right. And so I just kind of stayed on him. Not, not aggressive, but I stayed on Ivan and, and we just built a relationship yeah. and, um, you know, he, he was, he was always more than gracious. And then he let, and then he brought us to chalice when he calls me up, he goes, Hey man, will you, will you send me a system? I'll put it up at chalice. I was like, yeah. Can I come stand in the booth? He's like, yeah, really? You would do that? Well, I was yeah. there at that chalice. Yeah. You guys? yeah. Yeah. That was the first one. And that, that's where it all 
changed. That's yeah. where it all changed. Like <laughs> that's where there was this simplistic approach with with a with a different nutrient company. And there was this simplistic approach. And even though we actually, it didn't work right off the bat um, because of their formulation, there was definitely that simplistic approach. And, and Ivan pushed that to happen. He's like, you have to make your formula work for dosers. Yeah. And then when that formula worked for dosers, that's, I mean, let's just be honest. That's where, that's where everything kind of changed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I remember I was always a big fanboy of Ivan's and I'd watch everything you do. So I saw that first post mm -hmm. of Dostron mm -hmm. and I was one of those guys that called you because mm -hmm. I owned Hydroponics Inc. at the time. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, send me a system I want to buy right now. Like, yeah. let's go. Yeah. And I threw it up in my hydro shop and um, I get super obsessed with something. If I don't know it, I want to figure it out. So I started putting them That's together. Sure. Like I own this hydro shop and I'm in the back all the employees are in the front running the shop and I'm putting Dostatrons in together in the back, in the back room. Just yeah. like, let's go. Yeah. And what, what's so crazy is how simple Dostatron is. Cause what, once you put it together, you figure, you know, the whole thing, you're like, Oh, this is easy. Yeah. It's yeah. so easy. Yeah. And, and, but you just have to put it together to kind of figure it out. And, and when you see it on the wall, I, I can see how some growers would get a little scared of it. And, uh, guys, I started doing these consultations at the hydro store and I was like, Hey, order your dosatron, come in and I'll put it together with you. Yeah. Put it yeah. together with That's me. That's what I loved about you. Yeah. I'll send it home with you. Yep. I bought these, uh, Marine boards I remember that. from yep. the boat shop yep. Yep. and they're like these plastic boards. I cut them up and then I'd be sitting there in the back with customers putting together dosatrons mm -hmm. and and I became kind of like the Dosatron hydro shop here in Southern California. Like guys would travel from like Yuma, Arizona, like San Diego, like everybody would come and kind of put together Dosatrons with me. Mm -hmm. I even put together a 12 dosing system down in uh, LA. Like I'm going down and I'm stunned and it's 40 gallon minute system. Oh, it was a 40 gallon a minute system. Oh, 12. Remember I, that? I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. And I, yeah. I was like calling, you were like working me. I had to like, it was so long that I had to go and angle it in the corner and make a big L. And, and I'm telling the guy, I'm like, hey, I'm working on a new formulation right now. Like you don't need all these bottles. Like you could just do it with like sure. four or five, right? Yeah. Won't listen to me. But we did it and we sold it. I think it was like a $30,000 30, Dosatron yeah, system, yeah. one yeah. wall. yeah. Yeah. So it was, uh, it's cool to be a part of that, you know, a, be so, like a part of that story. It's, it's really neat. Yeah. Yeah, man. You were, you were early adopter. You know, there were a few people that really dug in and wanted to do, wanted to see where this would go. And you were one of those, bro. And I give you a lot of credit for that. And there wasn't a lot of that going on at that time. Yeah, I think people just got scared of it. It was intimidating. You know, it's funny because I talked to Kraft about it, right? And Lance says to me, he goes, man, I don't know why you don't tell everybody how easy this is. And I'm like, I've been trying for, I mean, I'm sorry that you don't see the message, but that's what we've been trying to do for many, many years, right? It's hard to do because it's a demonstrative product. You have to see it work. And you've seen all the graphics we put together. We, we've got how it works graphics. We've got all these graphics, right? What I didn't do, I, I put uh, anim animations, and I say I, I speak like it's me, but in the background's constantly Pam, right? 
it's pam 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 right but we put together some pretty cool graphics i thought at the time of the system going together and showing them turn into each other and like you know the nipple turning in and how to put the teflon tape on but for some reason that was intimidating what i really realized is i should have just stood in front of a video camera and done it yes because craft just did that and he got so many followers and so many people call up now i was like i just want to that's so easy why didn't you ever do that yeah. It's funny what you realize once you see somebody do something that you are so embedded in. It goes back I, to that thing I, you know, where you just got to put it together once. Yeah. And you'll have it that's, forever. That's exactly it. Yeah. What, so. what is your opinion on what size grow can justify the D14MZ2 and D14-3000? Like what size? How many without, lights? Without sounding cheesy, any. Right? Um, and why I say that, right, is because dosatron can be run in so many ways there's so many ways to skin that cat let's just imagine small six lighter right eight lighter you use a dosatron if your flow rates are correct you're doing all eight lights irrigating it as one room one zone more than likely we can get dosatrons to run right but they're mechanical in the fact that they need water to pass through you line multiple up we know there's there's some you know, challenges with super low flows. So just fill a batch tank, come out of a batch tank to any, any zone. You could do one plant at a time if you want to with a batch tank, right? But the process of repeatability that Dosatron brings is unmatched. There's plenty of dosing systems in this industry. I'm gonna tell you one thing. In the last five years, the number of dosing systems has 10 x okay? There used to be three, now there's 30. What I laugh about is that Dosatron's still the continuous provider of perfection. It continues to be that repeatable result time after time after time. And the reason being is just because of the simplicity. It doesn't have all this extra to it. Run water through it, it does its job. So go to a batch tank. So to answer your question, I know it sounds salesy, but any, go to a batch tank, fill a 55 gallon drum, come off of that with a little liter pump and you're going to crush it. Yeah. You go to 600 lights, you go to 6,000 lights. You know, one of the stories that, that, that on, I kind of tell to just give scale is that that six acre greenhouse I got there, there was an Argus system there. Oh my God, it was a nightmare. I spent most of my time working on it and I spent years, you know, I love Argus from a environmental control standpoint. Um, I, I kind of have a little bit of that, that old school appreciation because I worked it as a grower. It kept me alive, right? But Dosatron is what, what we replaced that system with. Two big Dosatrons ran six acres. Two. And guess what's still you in had, that six you acres? You had two recipes though. No. I don't no. understand. How did you run it with? So you would run a base formula through your entire greenhouse and then every boom had its own Dosatron. So then you'd do a base, which was like, typically, let's call it about a 1.0 EC. Okay. Just a balanced formula. 20, 10, 20. Gotcha. Right? Run that out to everything. And then every, whether, wherever a bay was, that would that boom would get its own dosatron and we'd add cal nitrate. We'd add 15, 15, uh, sorry, um, 15.5.15. We'd add an acid formula for pansies or petunias, right? Uh, long story short, that those two dosatrons ran that entire facility, right? 
those two dosatrons still run that entire facility today. That's 20 years later. Yeah, exactly. Same two dosatrons. They've been rebuilt a couple of times, but same two dosatrons. So that's where, you know, for me, scalability is not really the concern for dosatron. There's a million ways to skin that cat. And I've spent many a time with growers trying to help them facilitate the right fit for their, for their grow. But there's, there's so many ways to do it. Now, in all practicality, um, dosatron, it's, it's how you cut it up. It's how you, so when someone like Sean puts out the, the four, uh, you know, for fast forward in a little bit. Yeah, we yeah we could definitely fast forward. Sean, I saw that system at LA Family Farms, and Sean was installing it. And that's where I met Sean at Demeter Designs. And I called you right when I left LA Family Farms. Yep, I remember that. And I said, "Holy shit, Dosatron can run whatever you want it to run." Yeah. You just have to batch tank fertigation. Yep. Number one. Do you want to explain what batch tank fertigation is? 100%. Just just for guys that don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah what is yeah. batch tank fertigation? Yeah, I mean, there's really two methodologies of fertigation. There's making it in line and, and what we call inline delivery, right? Or direct. And then there's batch. Um, batch is creating a tank of nutrient solution that's ready to use, RTU. So um, a batch tank is taking off of any dosing system and filling to a tank. Now, let's be honest, doesn't have to have a dosing system either. A batch tank is what everybody's using when they have a tank. Hand and mixing. they go on hand mix yeah. and it comes out of there and goes straight through a liter or dab out to the to the room, right? Yeah, so it's you you're you're eliminating that human mixing those nutrients to make their batch tank. That's right. That dosatron is just do dosing that batch tank. So, number 1, batch tank fertigation is what you need to run a whole facility. And number two, you just dose your recipes. Yes. So as soon as I saw that, Sean's design, that's all That's all Sean, Sean's deal. Um, with Athena Proline, you're running, he was doing 2EC, 3EC, veg, 3EC, and then 0.5EC or 1EC, depending on your flush. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So you have four doser, four dosing systems yep. can feed thousands of lights. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. It just depends on the, you know, flow rates and, and sizing of dosers and that, but do that appropriately and you're going to be off and running. And it could be six recipes. It can be whatever you want. But the nice thing is, and, and that's where Dosatron, you know, that's where Dosatron, um, people would come to me and, and when they saw Ivan's place, like I loved it when Ivan was like, hey, I'm going to put one per room. And we talked about it, like at depth. And I was like, you're sure? He's like, yeah, man, I, I just want total flexibility. I want R&D capabilities. You know, I'm strain hunting all the time. I'm doing all this work. If I'm going to put in all that work, I might as well just like go up on the CapEx and put a Dostron system per room. So then everybody called me and was like, I got to put a Dostron per room. Yeah. And I'm like, what, can we, can I explain to you maybe why you don't or why you do? So long story short, that, that comes full circle to where you call me and you're like, bro, revolutionary what is this and i was like well it's it's one of the many ways of doing it right and you're like no nah, this is the way you need to tell everybody this is the way i said well you know it's tough because there's so many different people that want to run so many different formulas and it's rare that somebody only wants four batch tanks and you're like nah watch it's about to be standard yeah right? and i remember I <laughs> that you were like watch watch yeah. this happen yeah this is gonna get 
So instead of you doing it, I think I think Sean, Ivan, and I did it. We're like, all right, we'll we'll show everybody. We'll create Demeter Designs, mm -hmm. and here it is. Mm -hmm. Here's your yeah batch tank fertigation for recipe three rest four recipes. One hundred percent. It was it's pretty sick how that that ended up. Honestly, that precipitated out of um, a necessity again. You know, it got to a point where where Ivan felt it unsustainable once he had all those dosers. And don't forget there's maintenance on a dosatron. I know I know you dosatron users may not think that and everybody needs to hear it's once a clear. year and it's once like year, two one little seal simple seal you just caught yeah but it's still and maintenance. a little grease on it's something I greased something and yeah. yeah yeah clean it out. So listen, I loved it from a sales standpoint, but from a sustainability standpoint, I will be honest that that a lot of me was like this has to change right because not everybody can afford that and not everybody can adopt that we need this to be simplified and so you know my background in irrigation and automation allowed me to to have that exposure but it was a one-on-one -on -one. it was whoever was willing to listen because at the end of the day again i was still playing catch up every other phone call was somebody going what is a dosatron what is fertigation what is a batch tank how does the pump work what pump do i buy what nutrients do i use well, how do I do this, Chris? Can you fly out here? I'll give you money if you come out here just to my grow. I'm like, man, you almost couldn't give me enough money because I'll lose my job at this point because I'm so busy. Yeah. So it was it was it was a great time, but uh, yeah, it gets, it's again. I wish I could bottle that up, man. It's like was, working the counter time. at a hydroponic store, and you get about asked what pH is about five times a day. Yeah. Yeah, I felt like a broken record to the point where we started making those videos. Yeah. So I could just be like, hey. Do you mind going watch this video and then call me back? Yeah. Because at least it would give me, you know, half hour life of my life back. <laughs> Let's talk about dilution solution. Sure. What is the major difference with the new dilution solution dosing system? We'll go into the controller in a bit. Sure. But with the, the dosing system, what's the major difference? Well, by using the Editron, right, which is, um, which is an electric pump versus a water-powered pump. A dosatron has an inherent simplicity. That inherent simplicity uh, has one setback in that you have to manually adjust the doser to change the recipe, right? So you walk up and you physically turn the dial to between five mils and 10 mils, you set it, it's gonna repeat that. It's gonna start the moment you turn it on, it's gonna change to 10 mils, but you still have to physically have a human go change that. And that's where your recipe batching changed all that, The right? four dosers. The four dosers. Now we got four recipes. And that's you don't you touch use. the dosers. Yep. You just turn them on, you fill a tank. And from those tanks, you you send it out to different rooms. Yeah. Right? Based on the, the, the crop life cycle. That's where real quickly I realized that the industry was going to shift. And coming from traditional horticulture, I already knew the difference between dosatron users and full automation with like a Priva or an Argus. And so, you know, we, we started with the Editron microdoser. I don't know if you remember that. I know you do. I don't even want to talk yeah, about that yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. That was not Brandon's favorite, <laughs> but um, it's because it wasn't easy enough for him. No, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm too dumb to use that thing. No, let's be honest. It was it had its it it had its challenges. Um, I what I really what I was trying to do. I remember at the time, Power SI, the SI products were all huge. Yeah, yep. Right, Mammoth was coming on huge. Like mm -hmm. these products that just took. I just wanted a little little tiny bit. Half a mil. Yeah. Half a mil. Point six. That was yeah. Mammoth. Point six. 
well, I needed something to do it because the dosatron, the, the 3000 only goes down to one, one and a quarter mil or 1.14 if you want to be very exact. Well, because of that, we needed something that would microdose. Well, we, we brought the microdoser out. And um, to some people's uh, pleasure, to, to other people's pain, right? What I realized real quick is like, I need a controller that's going to run this, right? I need something that's going to automate this. So, so really, the, the Editron dosing system was born out of the idea that we'd be able to do recipe control and do run one single system instead of the four banks and fill as many batch tanks as you want. I really tried, man. I didn't, I didn't have every intention of going into the control world right away. I really tried to work with some of the control providers to just say, hey, use these dosers. Let me show you how to set them up. This is what you got to do. I even like to help them figure out essentially the, the math that it took to get there to program the controller for. And, uh, you know, it's funny how people use you for what they need for and then, and then jump on to something else, right, real quick, just to be different. Yeah. Um, and so real quick, I, 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 you know, Pam and I were, let's, let's do our own thing. And, um, and that's where, you know, Pam, Ryan, and myself, um, all of us jumped in hard to uh, developing a controller wasn't easy man it no. was a hell of a path went through a couple different really lame partners let's just put it what it is to get there because um you know we're, we're manufacturing a very simplistic product and now we're going to go into the digital world and now you got to do software 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 is a nightmare and and you know again this is where i pinch myself man my life at cherry creek systems born me into this it gave me this opportunity to have vision greatly beyond most of my co-workers and most of the industry because i was able to see down this path of development i had developed two controllers or been part of development of two controllers while at while at cherry creek systems um and three of them actually and one of them plc based and one of them um uh, pcb based and so we found a partner that um was exactly what we wanted and um and so fast fast forward that a little bit that's where we that's where we have the the dilution solutions controller um and that's what what really kind of birthed that process what i will say is that at that time um we developed it to work with dosatron and with editron because i really wanted to go in and just be like here's a controller for any dosing system you're using well, any of our dosing systems that you're using. Real quickly, I realized that, um, you know, to put a high price controller on a dosatron system can make some sense for some people and not for others. The value really came into recipe control. And so taking my background in irrigation, understanding, you know, um, what everyone's calling crop steering now, which we didn't call crop steering back then, but um, understanding that, that basic knowledge long before this industry really adopted it gave me that ability to realize that irrigation had to be on point. And so two years of development, right? So talk about not getting a hold of me. That was the other reason, right? Yeah. On top of sales. So we started, started hiring some, some people. Everybody knows Wally. Wally came on that. That was a game changer for me because it really allowed Pam and I to, to go behind closed doors and work on this controller. And so spent that time doing that. And have come kind of, you know, leaps and bounds since um, 2018 when we started that. And we released it last year at MJ Biz and, and um, 
have not looked back. We've got about 30 of them in the field and continuing to, to push forward, you know? Nice. Yeah. How, what separates the dilution solution controller aspect from a lot of the functionality of other controller systems? Hmm. Well, let's be honest. Controlled automation is all about data collection. You know, again, I go back to when we put this dosatron together, we knew we wanted to monitor. At the time, there were a few trusted monitors in the industry. They were at a particular price point that made sense. We chose what we felt to be the brand leader at the time. Um, not going to give any shout outs there, but, you know, de decided to work with that group and develop an inline meter. There was no inline meters at the time. There was no inline meters there was, but, but monitors like all in one package. There was no none off the shelf at that price point. So worked with a group to get that done. And that's where we realized like that's, if we could capture that data repeatedly, time after time, we'd be able to give people a historical breakdown of what their crop cycles look like coming off that dosatron. Well, that platform didn't allow for that. So fast forward to the controller. One thing we really pegged in on was capturing that data in a way that is analytical and easy to, to report back to a grower and give them a nice view on what they're doing, what was successful and what was not successful. Capturing data is a huge part of, of controlled automation. Well, there's, there's other people doing that already. The difference for us is, is we came at this different. You know, what I do know is that environmental controls were where every control group started. I, I would beckon that there is not one control group I know of that started with fertigation besides Netifem, right? Yep. It's the only one I know of. Most of them started with something else and said, oh, well, I can do dosing. It's easy. You just put some dosers and do some math and I could do that. So our intention from day one was dosing, fertigation, irrigation. And so we came at it with a little bit of a different mindset. We don't, for example, we don't use a scheduler. We use something called plant-based. Because I know we don't live on a Monday through Friday schedule. We live on a crop life cycle. And so our plant days allow you to do for a particular amount of time within the crop life cycle to do particular uh, tasks, to perform particular tasks. And so that would be like, let's say you're going to get this recipe with this type of irrigation schedule for a couple of days. Then we're going to do a flush. Then we're going to go into this. Then we're going to do right. So scaling into P1, P2, P3, what people are calling now with crop steering. Okay. Irrigation strategy. Correct. So you're, you can program in a nine week cycle, your recipes inside the dilution solution controller mm -hmm. and let the program run. You can. That's awesome. It's, it's, you know, honestly, at the time I felt it a bit, a bit, um, revolutionary. Um, but there's a caveat. Not everything goes perfectly every time. Right. And so that's where, you know, we have, um, we're building in features that we call ramping. Ramping is going to allow us to shift that. Let's say strain A versus strain B, uh, are, are going into a room and all of your historical data is on strain A. You pop strain B in there and you realize, damn, zone two, which is strain B just really isn't it's not getting the pizzazz that strain A is off that particular strain or that particular schedule. Now we can go and ramp that based on, let's say, irrigation, based on recipe, 
uh, when I say recipe, I'm talking about nutrient profile and be able to adjust those accordingly to the plant's needs, right? And still leaving your program alone, your crop days stay stable so that again, it's a repeatable recipe that you stick to, but then you're able to kind of adapt it day by day, shift by shift. It's the most important in greenhouse, right? When yeah. You're winter versus summer versus yeah, spring versus fall it's, versus It's a lot harder to do cold. in a greenhouse. Oh my gosh. Way harder. Period. Crop steering is yes. incredibly hard. And that, mm -hmm. because that's where I cut my teeth, Right away, that was that was a target for us to understand that there has to be some adjustability. I want to be able to lay out the perfect recipe, what I think is a perfect recipe. Based on the climate. Based on all these various inputs. Yeah. But then knowing that things change, have the ability to shift that variable. Variable yeah. A, variable B. So obviously you're going to be going eventually... If you're going to be monitoring climate, PPFD, energy to the canopy, you're definitely going to need to be monitoring substrate. 100%. Is that where you're going or is you looking to work with a partner to help with substrate monitoring? So substrate monitoring was the largest target for deve during development of this controller. Um, I used to work with a group called Decagon back in the day. Um, back in my Cherry Creek days, we put some wireless um, moisture controllers. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, soil moisture con um, soil moisture probes that tied back to our controller wirelessly. Decagon does uh, blood blood glucose monitoring as well. Decagon, maybe they do. Yeah, yeah, do they? That's yeah. cool. Um, but Decagon got bought by the company that owns Arroyo. Gotcha. Right as we were finishing up this controller, so I was a little bit devastated. I'm not gonna lie. I was like, oh. Then Arroyo was a platform already, and it was not a platform that I'm I'm looking to replicate. Not that I wouldn't work with with Arroyo customers, and we have a way to work with Arroyo customers right now, absolutely. But it just wasn't this like, boom, I get a piece of hardware, and now we can develop some software, and we're going to work with this. It it's was, never it was, like that. No, no, no. So, so that didn't quite go as as let's say the roadmap had. We were a little bit uh, naive to think that it would be that easy. So we then we saw real rapidly all these companies coming on and talking crop steering, overusing the term, talking VPD, not even knowing what the hell it is. And I just, I thought, you know what? I'm going to stick to my game a little bit. This is already harder than I thought it would be. We're going to perfect what we're good at, which is making the right recipe and sending it to the right place and making it easy. Our interface will crush any other interface out there. I'll, I'll challenge any of you guys on that, right? Yeah. That's where to us, our interface has, it speaks volumes. You hop on that thing and within days um, of, of understanding that system and playing with it, within hours of training, you're in and you get it, right? So we, we stayed focused on that and we still are focused on that. And we're going to continue to stay focused on the tweaks to what it, what it looks like when substrate, monitor, substrate monitoring becomes a key factor to what we're doing, right? And so, yeah, we're, we're looking, we continually kind of keep the door open. Um, integration is very tough. I thought that would be easy and seamless. It's not. Not everybody wants to integrate the same way. Not everybody, you know, people have paid platforms that you got to pay for in order to integrate with them. So again, we're just, we're, you know, we're minding our P's and Q's and trying to make sure that we pick the right partner. So yeah, substrate monitoring is going to be huge um, for us. And, and that's where like all those things with crop days and steering and triggering, 
are going to come in. Yeah, you need to have the media if you're going to be able to tell the controller to you have a proper irrigation strategy. Mm -hmm. You know, it's uh, you have to have all the factors of the room. But Correct. I think what's missing is the substrate monitoring portion of it. Yes. That's, I guess, companies that aren't charging for it per square foot of your grow. And it's like a standardized, something that plugs right in to your guys' controller mm -hmm. to give you that data. Now, are you guys saving your data how do, how does that data go? Is, do you give the customer the option to store their own data or do you um, all store their data for them? That's a great question. Their data is their data. That's awesome. We don't keep their data on some iCloud. The difference between what we developed, um, and, and again, we're lucky to have found the right partner that already had a pretty sick platform that they were in a very similar place, um, which is we keep that information local to that computer it's a computer and it is uh it's a linux based platform that allows us to keep all that information right there on their local hard drive we don't cloud store it we don't charge you to keep it now we turn it over every 120 days so you better report off of it if you want more than 120 days you report off of it or constantly. get your own server or get your own server that you can you can expand that yeah and replicate that i think right? that's really big to yeah. be able to to capture and save your own data and know that it doesn't go up into the cloud and it's being saved by some company you don't know that's the biggest problem i had with with the the monitoring that's out there that's kind of standalone monitoring mm -hmm. is they all they're all just um, data mining yes um, there was a particular seed platform or genetics platform that you may remember, we won't call it by name, but that particular genetics platform was data mining like crazy. And they got busted from a, from a industry standpoint, they got busted and that nobody, the respect was gone instantaneously. Yeah. And when that happened, I watched storing that. Storing and saving everybody's Storing genetic. and saving everybody's genetic yeah. profiles and, and building that metaverse or whatever yeah. it was. Metaverse is not the right word, but whatever the, that. The bank. The bank. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they, they're able to store it and save it with tissue culture. Because, and they, I do it at scale with, uh, with a low labor cost. They just have the whole bank of genetics. That's right. For everybody. And so anyway, with that, we decided that that was not going to be a platform we wanted to follow. We wanted to allow growers control over their own information. That also makes it difficult to integrate, believe it or not. So that decision was impactful. I feel like it was the right decision for the grower. Um, and so we have to continue to strive through that and work through that as our decision because we're going to stick to it. Um, it's embedded in what we do. So there's going to be some... Uh, you know, increased viability to the moisture or media content information that we're going to be able to use just about anybody's sensors to capture that information. That's we awesome. also have a browser on our, on, you know, that was like inherent to this thing too, right? Where people can put on their platform, whatever X platform they're using, they can save that page right there and it's right in the center of the controller. So you click on that on the toolbar and bam, right there is your platform. So you can navigate through your platform, come over, change your irrigation strategies. So it's not automated yet, but with time, 
that will be. Because to your point, it's not just about irrigation. It's not just about those, those substrate monitors. That is one tool in the key element of a multiverse of tools. And that multiverse of tools is, is going to capture VPD. It's going to capture rad sum. It's going to capture all of these um, variables that, that are really part of, of irrigation. Irrigation is not just about putting water and nutrients on plants. Absolutely. But it seems like substrate monitoring is the... F- that's like the last piece that's not standardized right now. It's owned by a few companies, but not, it's not wi- widely available. And that's it's right. very quietly different when you move from certain substrate monitoring companies to others. One will say you're at 30% water content. And the others will say 50 or 45 with the yes. same exact meter. Yes, It's not standardized and it's not free. Like that's, that's, that's the most unfortunate part is that they're trying to charge you cannabis tax you on something that you should just be able to buy the hardware, plug it in and use it and pay a small $39 subscription fee and get it for free. Like, why do you have to cannabis tax us on everything? You Mm -hmm. know, it's just, it gets, it gets, gets old. Yeah. So I just think that that's kind of like the missing last link right for the whole thing to work yep because we got many choices when it comes to climate co2 um humidity temp Mm -hmm. ppfd Mm -hmm. dli um we got many choices and we don't have that many when it comes to substrate monitoring that are standardized and, and and cost effective in my opinion yes and that's because um of capitalism and I love capitalism, right? I'm an, I'm an American. I believe in it at its core, but capitalism can be poisonous and it leads people to be greedy. And so what could be great for this industry has become somewhat of a, let's gobble it up and take it and keep it on the side. And I, and I'm not talking about one particular company. That's a lot of them. Yeah. And it's not just substrate monitoring, it's sensors. It's not just sensors. It's, it's platforms. Yeah. So for me, you know, this is where the passion that we talked about earlier. Yeah. Has to continue to be a driving factor because it's so easy to let business take over. And, you know, you and I have talked about the difference between being a cultivator and being a businessman and how important it is that we drive the steering wheel as a cultivator. The businessman sits in the the passenger seat. You got to control the He can navigate man. all he wants. Yeah. He can tell you where you think you're supposed to go, but that cultivator knows check. what to do. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. So, you know, being a cultivator first is, is, um, is, is so important to me, you know, and to our company. I mean, you know, honestly, the reason that Lila was so successful to go all the way back to that, she was a grower, dude. You know, she worked in the greenhouse. So, um, yeah, and in, in all of our other industries, there's, there's someone that has had some experience, you know, our car wash group is run by a guy that used to own car washes, you know? Yeah. So, and that's what people don't realize about Dosatron. We do it all, man. Yeah. Chemistry and water. There's a balance between taking advantage and, and doing what's best for the, for the community and the cultivator. 
Yeah. There's a balance, right? You got to be able to pay your employees, keep the lights on, make a small profit for your family and, mm. and, and, and support, support the company, um, and make the company strong financially. Mm -hmm. But there's the, the balance of too much, right? And, um, you just got to find that balance and do, just do always do what's right or best for the cultivator at the end of the day. When you're making people successful, you'll be successful. That's I mean, that's how true. we run this company. It's absolutely true. You know, you, you focus on other people's success first and success will eventually come. Right. You know, one of the greatest things I ever heard in my life and it, and it, and it if you really uh, embed it in your life, it goes across all platforms. And that is you were given two eyes, two ears, and one mouth for a reason. Yeah. You're supposed to look and listen twice as much as you speak. 100%. And so if we can look and listen and understand what cultivators need, man, what comes out of our mouth can be gold, right? Because then at the end of the day, our, our trajectory will put us right in front of the grower, right? It'll put us right in front of the place where the, the pulse is happening. And that's where I feel like, you know, being a cultivator or being a plant geek, because really, I mean, outside of being, I haven't, I haven't done large scale cannabis cultivation. You know, that's one thing I have to be very clear about. Growing weed in the basement. Yeah. I mean, I had four or five, so let's say I have 50 lights. That's not, that's not large scale cultivation to the world we live in now. But given my background with, with, you know, growing bedding plants and tomatoes, it's just allowed me a little bit of that understanding of what it's like to sweat your ass off and wait for somebody's phone call because your machine's down, you know? Yeah, or be fed the wrong information and it costs oh. you your crop oh. or causes all kinds of clogged drippers and mm. pH flux in your root zone. And you're like, mm -hmm. this guy has no idea what he's talking about. Like, why did he tell me to do this? Oh, man. Was this hydro store at home that did that to me one time with the i won't call it a name brand but a particular brand came out and was just the only brand that was really pushing cannabis 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 and uh gave me a bunch of stuff I was like try this do this do that and bro it was a nightmare yeah it was a nightmare and i didn't know because again i'm i'm running you know gh3 part at the time simple you know, some diamond nectar to, to get some aminos or whatever. Yeah. But I, I didn't want all that brown sludge. And they introduced that to me. And man, I dealt with so many problems to where I had to peel back and go back to basics. Yeah. Giving out knowledge in this industry, people are, people's families, people's businesses, people's lives rely on the knowledge you give them. So when you give it, it better be right. Mm-hmm. You better know what you're doing and you better check check up on what knowledge you're you're giving out. And that's hundred percent true. It's so vital. Um it's yeah, I think Athena's been a big disruptor in the industry. It's changed a lot of things, you know, changed it's changed my garden, changed you know, my gardens, it's changed the way I cultivate. And uh it's uh no, it's cool it's cool to be the disruptor to tell the truth mm. it's like this is what it is you know take it or leave it it's from this university backed by this guy mm. or you know this other university backed by this guy it's like these are the facts like take it or leave it so it's yeah yeah it's um 
I like that word disruptor a little bit. You know, to me, it's, I like it a lot actually, because to me, that's, that's what it takes to put your foothold and to make things a little different because yeah, just to do it the way that everyone's doing it. Number one is not going to get you the same results. Yep. Um, because yeah, people have a way of, of shedding information. Like it's to your point, like it's gospel. And man, so often I hear advice. It's just so bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the, the best part about being at Dosatron has been the fact that I get to, um, you know, I get to share experiences and I get to tell people what, what, what works, but I always do it with a grain of salt. Every bit of advice I've ever given, right? Even going back to when we sat down with Brent, when I first met Brent, we're talking about greenhouses and, you know, you're talking about acre feet, uh, or acre, acre, feet inch, of, acre feet and acre of inches water. of water. Yeah. And I didn't like, even know what that was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we're talking about, you know, what that, what that's going to look like and, and how much water you're going to need. It's like, well, man, that is a loaded question. You could be the guy that does 30 flush cycles a week because you, you don't know how to grow. Not you, but giving anybody that advice. You can't just go and give somebody advice. How much water am I going to use? Well, I mean, you yeah. could, if, if you're good, you should use as little as you possibly can. So I, yeah, giving just shotgun advice in this industry. And hence we go back to, I go back to, I guess I'll make excuses all day long as to why I was hard to get a hold of, man. Cause I spent time on the phone trying to really help people because I cared because at the end of the day, Brandon, I knew that quick five minute. Yeah. Yeah. Just do the same as the guy down the street. Yeah. Wasn't right. Wasn't right. So take it for what it's worth, man. At the end of the day, you know, I'm going to put all of my heart and effort into making your garden grow. And if you're, if you care as much as I do about what we're doing, man, I'll put in, you know, undying hours to just get to, to get to that point of seeing success. Yeah. So, well, it was an honor. I appreciate your friendship. Yeah, man. We go back, you know, talking about these stories, we go back quite a long way. Yeah. And it's really cool to reflect on it. It is. So it is, it's crazy to think that, you know, eight years is a lifetime at this point. Yeah. In this industry, eight years is a lifetime, Brandon. You Lots know, happen. when you hear the stories of people that started in the 90s, like I, I used to think it was cool. I could say 99. Gan- like I started Ganny Farmer. Ganny Farmer comes whenever everyone, whenever everybody says like, oh, I started in uh, 1990. I'm like, Ganny Farmer just pops in my head. Dude started 100%. in 91. 100%. I'm sorry. He's a J. I, you know, that's, that's where I get my personal from at home. Oh, no way. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. 100%. You get it from Bart? Yeah. He's that's my boy, rad. Man. Love that's that rad. dude. Yeah. Yeah. It's my, cool it's my favorite. It's my, one of my favorite smokes there is. Yeah. And the dude is so humble. He's the nicest freaking guy. And he's as real as they come. Yeah. 100%. And I'm just lucky he lives in my hometown. That's super cool. And I had we, no idea. Yeah, we met at MJ Biz. I don't know. Did he go to dinner with Four us? Four years ago. Oh, okay. This was, no, this was the Lux party. Yeah, this was that dinner with us. We brought Ganny yeah. Farmer in. We were eating, yeah. you know, some gummy bears. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those yeah, were great. Yeah. yeah, that was, um. so that was, I don't know, four years ago? Yeah, the Lux party. And, um, man... That was, yeah, it, it actually changed my life. Cause man, I had to drive to Denver to get her, you know? So yeah, it was, it's pretty nice to have it right there in the backyard, but 
Yeah, man. I, I appreciate you having me, man. Cause honestly, you know, for me, um, just to be able to tell my story is cool. Um, you know, I think people think of me as, as Christos Chan. I mean, you remember I used to wear that same blue shirt everywhere I went yeah. for years. But do you have it on the right blue, now? The blue polo. It's a uh, little different now. It's a little, I, I stepped up. up my game a little bit. Damn, button up. Right. I know, button up now. Yeah. But, you know, I, I wear that blue polo everywhere. And I remember for so long, people would be like, dude, you you in that blue shirt. What's up shirt? with the polo? Yeah. And it's funny, you know, I, I meant to bring Dosi on. I forgot to, to grab him out of my backpack. Dog, but Dosi I'm was. I'm glad you left it in the car. Yeah. <laughs> But Dosi was Dosi was my imprint. I'd go yeah. to a place, I'd leave I'd a Dosi. I'd drop it off, be like, Chris you, has been here. You know, you know I was there. You walk That's through awesome. a place, you see a Dosi, you know That's I've been awesome. there, right? That's awesome. But yeah, man, it just to, to, to be here is cool. And you Yeah, know. you're the on, only industry dude that wears a button-up or a collared shirt in our industry. It's probably true, huh? Yeah. Yeah, with a flat bill hat. Well, you got a light hat. We all wear dark hats. That's true, huh? Dark hats, dark shirt. That's how you know. Well, it's funny, too, because like I said, being a metalhead my whole life, like black was where yeah. I was at, you yeah. know? And uh, it's funny because the guys in my band used to call me the Kimple Soup Kid because I'd get up there and put my bass on and jam around with some black clothes on, but I still had, you know, a kid face and they'd laugh. They'd be like, dude, you don't fit, but you get on that stage and, and something and, and something happens, yeah. right? So, you know, same same thing today, man. I, I feel like um, I don't, I, but that's the best part about my life now, man. If I may say, you know, let me end with this. This job, working for Dosatron, allowed me to be me because I spent decades not being myself or a decade not being myself because I had to show up to work every day and, and be someone else. And though I was, I was, you know, characteristically myself, it's not like I had a different voice or acted different, but I couldn't talk about my life. Yeah. I couldn't be homies with any of my customers because... I couldn't tell them about my band or about growing cannabis, about the things I was passionate about. And so being with Dosatron has allowed me to be me. And the greatest gift I was given by that family was that opportunity. And, you know, the, the best thing I can say about Pam and working there is that, that she, she embraces that. She's the one that's like, why aren't you out there doing podcasts? Why aren't you out there doing more? And honestly, it's just because to me, it's about being with the growers. Yeah. I'm not all about the face, man. I just want to be with the growers. I just want to be, you know, one of you guys. Yeah. So this, this, in, this industry has adopted me and made me feel like this is who I was supposed to be. Like I worked this whole full circle in my life, like going through and being at the greenhouse and working in the, in my father-in-law's company and being at Cherry Creek Systems and coming full circle to Dosatron. It, it it almost feels it almost feels like a book has been written. And so I feel fortunate just to have had the experiences we've had together, to have had the experiences I've had with all the growers out there that have that have adopted Dosatron and really brought us into to, to their family. And so I can be nothing but appreciative of of what's going, you know, what the past is given and what the future holds. Cause man, uh it, as tough as it is right now, price per pound is down. Yeah. People are screaming that they're not making money right now. I'm so fortunate to be in a position where I provide a tool that helps you in your Become business efficient. Thrive. Become efficient. And, you know, if I can help people make money and, and instill a little bit of my given knowledge, whether it's IPM, whether it's, you know, process, whether it's actually what I get paid to do, which is fertigation, I feel fortunate, man, because the growers in this industry 
um, I've never felt more a part of a family in my life than to be, to, to do what we do. Yeah. And so people like Ganny, I mean, again, I live in the, his hometown. We, we figured that out. Dude invites me over and we're family. You know, Ivan brings me in. We're, we're, we're homies for life, right? Roach, I mean, those guys have been nothing but great to me. Um, so yeah, man, I'm, I'm super thankful. I, I love what we do and I'm excited to keep doing it, man. I'm awesome, excited man. to keep doing it. Much love, much respect, much love, brother. brother. Goes Appreciate ways. you, bro. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks, Brandon. Right. See you, bro.